All right, well, a few weeks ago, uh, my family and I, we went on vacation down to the beach, and when we went to the beach, we went on a little amusement park adventure. So this was a ride that my kids were too little to ride on their own, so they had a nice, convenient adult seat right in the middle of the frog hopper, all right? And so it wasn't that intense, but we did have Mexican before that. And first of all, you shouldn't have Mexican at the beach, all right? That's the first thing. Second of all, you shouldn't do it before the frog hopper. So it was a rough time. But my kids had a blast. Uh, and so we went to this amusement park, uh, and we rode a bunch of rides. The kids had a blast. And when we were leaving, we had some extra tickets. And we didn't want them to go to waste. We wouldn't be able to save them. We weren't going back. So my wife and I said, hey, let's just give these couple of extra tickets to someone as we leave. So we're leaving the amusement park, and my wife sees a couple with a kid, and so she goes up and gives these people our extra tickets and say, hey, we don't need them. You can use them. You know, enjoy. And I was watching from a distance, and what I noticed is these people were, like, floored, right? They weren't cheap tickets, right? But they, they were, like, floored, like, no, we can't just take these. And the guy's, like, getting out his wallet, trying to pay my wife money, and my wife's like, no, like, you can have them. We're not going to use them. And it hit me in that moment that we often do that with the gospel, that the gospel can't just be a free gift. Like it seems too simple that literally the gospel is just Jesus and he gives himself to us. We got to have something we have to add to it, right? We have to pay for it, earn it. We have to do something, don't we? And that's what we're learning as we're going through this book of Galatians. Paul, the writer, over and over is hammering to us the gospel. The pure gospel is in fact just Jesus, no additives. You don't have to add anything to it. And so as we go through this letter, we've mentioned it a few times, but it's important to mention it again, that the Apostle Paul is writing this, and he breaks his letter down into three parts. At the first two chapters, he kind of talks about biography, and he gives his story a little bit. And then after that, he gets into two more chapters where he talks about theology, and that's really where he hammers over and over what the pure gospel is. And this is what Pastor Jared said last week. It almost seems like Paul is just repeating himself chapter after chapter, and he is. He's just repeating over and over, the gospel is Jesus. It's nothing else. It's Jesus, no additives. But then the last two chapters of the book, he gets into ethics. And this is where he says, okay, in light of this pure gospel, there's some implications for how you and I as followers of Christ should live. And this morning, we find ourselves at a transition point in the book where we're kind of leaving the theology section and we're getting into the ethics. And so we're going to look at a passage where Paul, in a sense, is going to kind of tie up the theology. He's going to put a bow on it and he's going to get into ethics, how you and I should live in light of the pure gospel. Now, as he does this, he's going to hammer one theme home. And this is a theme I'm going to mention a few times this morning. And it's this, is that we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom in Christ. We don't have freedom in Jesus plus religion. We don't have freedom in Jesus plus rules or rituals or the law. We have freedom in Jesus, period. And that's what Paul wants us to see this morning. So with that in mind, let's turn our attention. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. In the first verse, this is what Paul says. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So right here in this first verse, as Paul begins this chapter, he gives us a declaration. And this is what I said. He's going to tie a bow on the theology. This is kind of him tying this whole thing up and saying, I've been telling you over and over what the pure gospel is. And he ends and he ties a bow on it by saying, here's the declaration. You are free in Christ. You're not free in Jesus plus something else. You're free in Jesus, period. Now you might be asking, okay, what are we free from? 
Because if we're free in Christ, then we have to be free from something. And the Bible tells us we're really free from two things, sin and the law. And this is what Paul's been talking about, is that you and I are born into this world as sinners, right? We are born as people who are rebellious against God. We don't want to follow God. We want to be our own gods, and we turn our backs on him, right? We're dirty, rotten sinners. And if you need any proof, just look at your kids, all right? I love my kids, but holy moly, right? Like, kids are sinners, and we know that. You don't have to teach your kids how to be a jerk, right? You don't have to teach your kids how to lie or disobey. Your kids just do it because they're born that way. We're born that way. All of us are born as sinners. And the Bible says that we are slaves to that sin. Like, we have no other choice but to sin. We are in bondage to that sin. And Paul says when you are free in Christ, you're free from that sin. That is one of the things Christ did when he died for you. He's freed you from sin. But you're also free from the law. Because as sinners, we want to clean ourselves up, right? We, want to, we know something's wrong, and so we want to fix ourselves. We want to make sure we do the right thing and, and become better. So what do we do? We turn to rules and rituals and the law and religion. And Paul says, you know what? You're not only freed from sin, but you're also free from the law. Because if anyone knows, and, and if, I know this from trying it myself, when you follow the law and you try to fix yourself in religion, that's bondage. That's slavery. And Paul says you have been freed from that in Christ. And so he says that's the declaration. I want you to get that loud and clear. Before we talk about ethics, know that you are free in Christ and you're free in the pure gospel. Jesus, period, no additives. But he gives a command on the hills of that declaration. You might have called it. He says, but I have a command for you, and it's this, is that you stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So he says, okay, the declaration is you're free in Christ, but the command is to stand firm in that pure gospel, to plant your feet in that gospel, to dig your hills in and don't back down, that you stick in that pure gospel. And he says, don't go back again to slavery. So that sin that you're freed from, that law that you're freed from, you don't go back. You stand firm in the pure gospel. And that's not a suggestion. That's not like, hey, you should try this. That's a command like, don't go back. You are free in Christ. Live like it. Don't go back to slavery. So when I was younger, when I was 13, I got my first dog. And growing up, there's a picture of him. So uh, he's dead now. So it's okay. Uh, it's all right. It's more of my mom's dog than mine. She's probably watching online. Sorry, mom. Um, but uh, but uh, so I, I got this dog and uh, I named it Bam. All right. I just named him Bam. So I, growing up, I was into skateboarding. There was a skateboarder named Bam. So I thought, why not name a dog Bam? So there we go. So we had Bam. So this dog, I remember one of the things that was, uh, I thought was strange, but I came to find out was pretty normal for some dogs. So we had this crate in the house, and we would put him in there sometimes at night when we went other places. Uh, and during the day, like most of the time, 99% of the time, the crate was there, the door was open, whatever. But I noticed from very early on when we got the dog, like he would just wander back into the cage. Like we'd be chilling in the house, the cage is open, and instead of like hanging out on the couch, you'd be like, no, nah, I'm going to go hang out in the cage, right, where I'm like locked in. But the door was open. The gate was wide open. He didn't have to go, but he went back, right? And, and I think a lot of dogs do that. There's this security. There's this like feeling of safety in that cage. And how often do we do the same thing? Like as Christians, how often do we wander back into the cage of religion because it feels safe, it feels secure, there's some control we think we have? Or how often do we walk back into those cages of sin that Jesus has freed us from because of the short pleasure of that sin? 
And that's what Paul is telling us, is you have been freed in Christ. You don't have to go back to the cage of religion. You don't have to go back to the cage of sin. If you do, it's your choice. You have been freed from it. The door is open. And if you wander back in, that is because you are choosing to. And Paul says, do not do that. Stand firm in the pure gospel. And so Paul says, all right, I've given you a declaration. It's that you are free in Christ. I've given you a command. Don't go back to that sin or the law that you've been freed from. Now, what Paul does next is interesting because he knows that Galatian Christians, like we are, we're tempted to go back. We're tempted to be pulled back to sin and religion, right? So he's going to give us a warning because he wants us to know that if we go back, there's some things that could happen, and they're pretty serious warnings, and I want you to see those, and this is what he says, continuing in verse 2. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So all throughout this book, we've already seen that there is this group of false teachers. They're following Paul, right? We call them the Judaizers. We've mentioned that a couple of times. And they're following Paul, and they're telling these Galatian Christians, hey, this gospel that Paul is preaching is good. Jesus, yeah, that's great, but you need to add circumcision to it. You need to add that law to it. You need Jesus plus circumcision. And Paul knows they're tempted to go that route. And so he says, hey, if you're tempted for that, let me give you these warnings. And let me point them out. I underlined them for you to see. But Paul gives three really warnings in this passage that are pretty serious. He says, Christ will be no advantage to you. Like, what advantage is Christ if you are going to the law to be right with God? Why do you need Jesus if the law is going to do it for you? He says, you are severed from Christ. Then he says, you have fallen away from grace. Why do you need grace? Why do you need Christ? Why do you need the gospel if you're going to go through works to be right with God? And those are serious warnings. Like, that's strong language, and it's intentional. Because Paul knows, I don't want you, us, the Galatian Christians, to go back to slavery. I want you to stand firm in the pure gospel. And we've already said it many times in this series, that when we add anything to the gospel, it distorts and poisons it. It changes it from life-giving to deadly. It turns it from freedom to slavery. And that's what Paul is warning us about right here. So I remember uh, my wife and I just celebrated nine years. And I remember when we first got married, uh, one of the things that she bless her heart, tried her hardest, is to make me eat healthy, all right? Uh, it was a challenge. So, and, and I'm just going to tell you now, I'll, this story I'm about to tell you, I'm going to tell you up front, I'm not bragging on myself. If anything, it makes me look very terrible. So not trying to boast, all right? Just telling you a story. So, uh, and I'm very ashamed of how I handled it, and all this will make sense in a few minutes. Uh, so I remember when I started, when I got married, I kept eating like I did when I was in high school and college. So, yeah, nothing that had colors to it, just a bunch of chicken tenders and that's about all, chicken tenders and pizza. Um, and so uh, my wife was trying her hardest to make me healthy, try to get some good stuff in my diet. So one day uh, she texts me at work and she's like, hey, can we, have sp- or can we have spaghetti tonight? I said, that's fine, let's do spaghetti. I like spaghetti. So all day when I, when I get my heart set on what I'm eating, like that's all I think about. So all day I'm like, man, like spaghetti night, let's go, I'm excited. 
So we get, I get home, I go into the apartment we were living at the time, and I could smell the spaghetti like I am just fired up, like spaghetti night, let's rock and roll. And we walk in, or I walk in, I sit at the table, we start eating, and I start eating the spaghetti. I'm like, what's this like green stuff in here? Like, what green stuff do you put in spaghetti? I'm thinking like, you put meatballs in it, but don't put like green. So, so I'm like really confused, starting to expect it, and I realize like, she put freaking broccoli in my spaghetti. Like, who does that? Right? Like, still to this day, I, there's healthier things I eat. Broccoli, I don't do that. But I'm like, why in the world? And she tried her hardest, man. Like, she is just trying to sneak that in. And again, I'm not happy how I handled this. You would think, like, oh, it's a good husband. You said, thanks for cooking, honey. And I'll eat it. No, I didn't do that. I, like, pushed it around. I can't do it. I just couldn't eat it. It ruined the spaghetti for me, all right? I'm happy to say I had pasta last night, and there was green stuff in it, and I ate it, and it was fine. But... Uh, but I couldn't eat it because at that time, like, it just ruined the spaghetti. Now, that is a silly, terrible way to get to this point, that when we add anything to the gospel, it doesn't matter how little the specs are. It doesn't matter if it's a little bit of religion, a little bit of legalism, a little bit of rules. If you put any of that in the gospel, you are missing out on experiencing the pure gospel of Jesus, period. If you add anything to it, And it doesn't have to be big stuff, like little specks of religion will keep you from experiencing the pure gospel. Now we're tempted, obviously, to add stuff to it. The Galatians were tempted to add circumcision. I don't think any of us are tempted to add circumcision. If you are, you got a problem, right? You're not tempted, but you might be tempted to add other things to it. And and here's a list. This is a list, Pastor Rick, he gave a very similar list, almost the same one the first week. I added a couple of things. But here's some things you might be tempted to add to the gospel. Maybe it's agreement on all gray, debatable, unclear areas. Man, like within Christianity, within the scriptures, there are so many gray areas that we as Christians have to dialogue, we have to understand, we have to realize we're not going to agree. But sometimes we're guilty of thinking the gospel is Jesus, plus we got to agree on all those areas. And if we don't, we're not true, we're not really Christians, right? Or maybe it's politics, that you think that the gospel, you think the gospel is Jesus plus being a Republican or being a Democrat. And that has to be in there. If that's not in there, if you don't have the right one, you're really not right with God. Maybe it's a display of some spiritual gift. And there's churches, obviously, that teach this, that you have to display a certain spiritual gift to truly be a Christian. And that's not the gospel, but we might be tempted to add that. Like, we need Jesus plus some spiritual gift. Maybe it's things you shouldn't do, like these next three or a couple. No piercings or tattoos, no wine or beer, no smoking, dancing, R-rated movies, bikinis, cussing. That's like my growing up in a Baptist church right there. Uh, Don't do any of that, right? Like, you can't do that. You need Jesus plus don't do any bad stuff, right? Maybe it's being baptized. You need Jesus plus baptism to really be right with God. Maybe it's using the right Bible translation or going on a mission trip. Or maybe it's never missing church. Like to be a good Christian, you've got to have Jesus plus perfect attendance at church or some other spiritual ritual. Or this last one, and I'll be honest, this is the one I fall into the most. I am a type A list. I like my routine. And so I am easily trapped or tempted to fall into this last one, that maybe the gospel for you is Jesus plus you better read your Bible and you better pray every day. Because if not, you're not good with God. Your relationship with God's going to be faulty. He's not going to like you that day, right? And so we're tempted to say the gospel is Jesus plus you've got to do some stuff. And it might not be circumcision, but it might be one of those things or maybe something else that you're tempted to add. But Paul is telling us and he's warning us, don't go into that. 
Stand firm in the pure gospel. Dig your heels into that. Don't go back to slavery, to the law. Don't go back to things like that. Those aren't bad things necessarily, but don't make them gospel things. So Paul says, okay, your declaration is this. You're free in Christ. He says, your command is don't go back. He's given us a warning that if we go back, there's some serious warnings with that. Now, what Paul does next is interesting. And and what Paul does next is he almost takes a little bit of a a detour, a little bit of a sidebar. And and it's interesting because he's talking about our freedom in Christ, and he's going with that. In a moment, he's going to come back to that and talk about our purpose or the purpose of our freedom in Christ. But he takes a few verses, and he kind of, he vents a little bit here. And Paul is a, is a normal, he's a human, right? Like he is writing God's word, he's an apostle, but he's also a guy with emotions. And in these next few verses, he almost says, hey, can I just vent for a minute? And you've been there, right? Like something in life is just driving you crazy and you're like, hey, buckle in. I just need to vent and let it all out, right? Some of you are laughing like, yeah, you, yeah I do it too, right? But we all do that and Paul does that. And this is what Paul does. So l- let's look at Paul's frustration here because he's going to vent a little bit and let's see what he says. He says, you, this is in verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and that the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who would unsettle you would emasculate themselves. All right, so sorry about emasculating ourselves for a minute. Uh, so Paul is clearly not happy, right? Like there's some frustration you can feel in that passage. And, and what I, what I want to point you to is not necessarily a human man that's, that's venting a little bit. What I want to point you to is I think this is a really good pastor. And I think his pastoral heart is coming out in this few verses. Because what he's doing is a good pastor. He loves his people. He loves these Galatian Christians. And he's concerned. He's concerned because they're running well, but they are going, they're tempted to go back to this law. And he's also, as a good pastor, a little bit ticked off that there's people coming in and teaching a false gospel and making his people stumble. That's, that's a pastor right there. That's a good pastor. So let me show you that first. Look at his pastoral heart for the Galatian Christians. He says, you were running well. He's like, hey, you started your walk with Jesus well, that you started running after him. And it wasn't based on works. It wasn't based on the law. It was based on grace. It was based on Jesus and nothing else. And you were running well. But then it says someone hindered you. And that word hindered comes from two Greek words, two small Greek words, cut and in. And basically Paul is painting this picture of like a runner running a race. And they're running well. They're making good time. And something cuts in in front of them. And causes them to stumble, causes them to slow down, causes them to have to maybe pause. And Paul says, that's what's happening to these Galatian Christians. You are running well, and these false teachers has cut in, and they've caused you to trip up, and they've caused you to stumble. And so he's concerned for his people. But then he turns that concern, and he's also showing that he's a little bit ticked off with these false teachers that are preaching Jesus plus circumcision. Because remember, They were coming behind Paul and saying, hey, you need Jesus, but you better have circumcision as well. And Paul says that's not the way it is. And that's what causes Paul in verse 12 at the very end. It's like he gets all the frustration and it builds up and he says, I wish those who would unsettle you would emasculate themselves. 
So that means exactly what it says, right? Like you don't need to Google it. Like he literally is saying emasculate themselves. And I remember if you were here on the first kind of week of the series, let me illustrate what Paul's saying. Uh, Pastor Rick in the first series, he talked about circumcision. He pulled out some scissors just to give us a visual, right? And I wasn't in the service, but one of the service, he's like, I'm going to make the associate pastors do it. He thought that was funny. I did not think it was very funny. Uh, but uh, but he, uh, he illustrated this, and that's what Paul was saying, is these false teachers were saying if you need, or the gospel is Jesus, plus you've got to get circumcised. Like you've got to snip a little, right, to be right with God. Now what Paul is doing in this passage is he is pointing out their foolishness. He's pointing out kind of their, 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 the, the, the dumbness of what they're saying, really, right? He wants to point it out, so he's going to take it to the extreme. So he says, hey, if you're teaching that being right with God, the pure God or the gospel is is Jesus plus a little bit of circumcision, he says, you know what, put the scissors away and why not take out the hedge clippers? Like, let's go all the way, right? Like, even got, look here, like we can go, I don't know how to do this. Oh, that's tight. Oh, man. I don't know. Okay, either way. So. I'll work on that between services. So Paul literally, right, is saying, hey, if, if it makes you right with God to have Jesus plus a little bit of circumcision, why not be super holy and go all the way and just emasculate yourself? And you're laughing, and you should laugh because it is pure foolishness, and that's exactly what Paul wants them to do. He wants us to laugh and say, that's insane, and it is, and he's saying that's what their false gospel is. It's insane. It's foolishness. It's dumb. And Paul, as a good pastor, loves his people. He doesn't want his people to get caught up in that. And he wants us to know the foolishness of this false teaching. And so Paul, now he's, he's got a little bit of that. He's vented a little bit, right? And now he's going to kind of come back to this theme of your freedom, our freedom in Christ. And so he's already given us a declaration. He says, you are free in Christ. He said the command is not to go back. He's given us a warning. And now he's going to give us the purpose. Because here's the thing. Our freedom in Christ comes with a purpose. There is a reason we have been free, or we have been freed in Christ. And let me point that out to you. It's in the last two verses of this passage. Paul says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, Watch out that you are not consumed by one another. And so Paul says, okay, there's a clear purpose for your freedom in Christ. And let me just be honest. There's been a lot of abuse in the church and Christianity because people have not used their freedom in Christ the right way. Like we have abused the freedom in Christ within Christianity to just live however we want, to act however we want. Because we're free in Christ, right? Like, does it really matter how we live? And so people just kind of go off the rails and live however they want because they have freedom in Christ. And much abuse, much damage has been done because of that. And Paul says there is a purpose for your freedom in Christ. And to do that, he points out what you shouldn't do and what you should do with your freedom in Christ. So the first thing you might catch, he says what you should do with your freedom in Christ, or what you shouldn't do, I'm sorry, let's start negative, is that you don't use your freedom in Christ is an opportunity for the flesh. That you do not use your freedom in Christ as an opportunity for the flesh. Now when Paul uses the word flesh there, he's referring to that sinful part of us, that sinful humanity that we all have, even as followers of Jesus, we still have it. 
And it's that sinful humanity that's constantly pulled away into doing things that we know are not honoring to God, living in sin, walking in the flesh, being pulled towards those self-indulging activities that go against God and his word. And Paul says, when you are free in Christ, don't use that freedom as a license to indulge the flesh. And we all do that at times, right? Like we're so tempted and it's easy to say, well, you know, I know there's grace. I know there's forgiveness. Like I can confess the sin and God will forgive me. It's all good. And so we give ourselves a license to basically live in sin and to walk in the flesh because of our freedom. And Paul says that is not the way you use your freedom in Christ. You don't use it as a license to sin. One commentator said it this way, Christian freedom is not a freedom to sin, but a freedom from sin. So when you are free in Christ, it's not so that you can go out and live however you want and get a little lazy in the whole, in living holy. No, it's to live for Jesus, and you're freed up to not sin anymore. You're free to run from sin, not to go sin. And so Paul says, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So what is the purpose then? If that's what you shouldn't do, what should you do? And he says, what you should do with your freedom in Christ is this, through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. And so Paul says, okay, yes, you're free in Christ. Absolutely, 100%. You are totally free in him. But that doesn't mean you're just freed up to live however you want. Instead, you're actually now freed up to live the way God wants you to live, live the way you're created to live, live the way that God's word directs us to live. And we see that here, that the purpose then, we're free in Christ, not to indulge our flesh, but through love, serve one another. And so it's an interesting paradox because, yes, we're free, but we're also on the hook for serving others. And so, yeah, we're free, but we're kind of not free when it comes to that. So listen to this. This is Martin Luther, the famous reformer. He says it this way. A Christian is free and independent in every respect, a bondservant to none. A Christian is a dutiful servant in every respect, owing a duty to everyone. So there's a paradox there. Yes, you're free in Christ, but you're on the hook for loving and serving others. You're actually freed up to do that. And so you can sum up what Paul is saying here. You can really sum up the purpose of our freedom in Christ is this. It it frees us to turn from ourselves and instead love others. We are free in Christ not to indulge ourselves, not to indulge our flesh. We're freed in Christ to go love and serve others. And this is very easy to say, but it's harder to do, right? It's not easy to live a life that's for others and to love and serve others. And especially for us as Americans, right, as Westerners, we are very much into our individualism. We're into our, uh, you know, making ourselves look good and promoting ourselves. We're not very good at loving and serving others, are we? And so let me give you some practical things. I want to give you just some ways to love and serve others because that's the purpose of our freedom. And these aren't going to be exhaustive. Like I'm not going to give you a massive list because there are tons of ways you can love and serve others. These are just some categories that God put on my heart as I wrote this sermon. First is this, find a place to serve in our church. Like so often we, we come to church and we come as consumers, right? We come as like, hey, have some good donuts for me, have some songs I like, preach a good sermon, and then you're out, right? And I hope you're blessed by the donuts. I hope you're blessed by the music and the preaching. But what if you came to church and you flipped it and said, you know what, I'm going to come to church as a person that's been freed in Christ, not to consume and be served, but I'm going to come as someone who's free in Christ and I'm going to serve and I'm going to love others and I'm going to find a place to serve in this church. And if you're not doing that, I would encourage you, like literally right after this service, 
Don't let yourself off the hook. Go to the welcome kiosk and tell that person, hey, I want to find a place to serve, and they can help you do that. So find your place. Secondly, join a group. And this is an interesting one because most of the time when we talk about joining a group, we're talking about joining a group so you can grow spiritually, so you can uh, grow in your walk with God. And that's true. But what if this, what if joining a group, a community group, a men's, a women's Bible study, what if joining that group is for the purpose of loving and serving others? Because when you join a group, you're going to be put into the context of community where you're going to actually have to flesh this out. You're going to have to love others. You're going to rub shoulders with one another, and you're going to hear about needs and things that come up in people's lives. And now you have a chance to actually love and serve them, maybe by meeting that need. And so maybe the thing for you is the way you need to serve others and not indulge your flesh is to get out of your comfort zone and to join a community group, join a men's study, join a women's study. The third category is this. This is more work. So a lot of us, obviously, a big part of our lives are work. You're going to go to work tomorrow, many of you. So what if you went to work to bless others and not just get paid? So often we go to work and what? We're just putting the time, get that paycheck so we can have a comfortable life, so I can provide for my family. And that's not a bad thing at the end of the day. But what if you flipped it and said, as a person who has been freed in Christ, I'm not going to work just to make some money and to keep myself good, right? I'm going to make some money so I can love and bless others. And maybe it's not the money you make, maybe it's your actual job, that you don't just go and survive. You go and you work hard at your job to love and to bless others. You have been freed in Christ to do that. And then lastly, your relationships. And this could cover tons of things, right? But in your relationships, put others first. Don't be a taker in your relationships, right? As someone who is completely freed in Christ, like think about that. You have everything you need in Christ, everything. You have been completely freed in him. And so because of that, now you can turn to others and you can give and you can bless and you can love and you can serve. You don't have to take from them. You can go and love them. So maybe that's your friendships, your marriage, your parenting with your kids, your coworkers, in your relationships. Put others first. And so as we wrap up this morning, I, w- I want you to catch this. And hopefully you caught it throughout the flow of the sermon. But I want you to catch that this passage started with a declaration, and I've said it many times, you have freedom in Christ. That's a declaration. But then it ends with this charge to love and to serve others. And that flow, that direction is intentional. It's important because as people who are freed in Christ, people who understand our freedom in Christ more and more, we then should go out and love others and serve others more and more. We're going to sing a song here in in a moment as we wrap up, and these are the lyrics in the chorus It says this in the chorus, open my eyes and wonder, show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And my prayer for myself, my prayer for you, my prayer for this church is this. It's just like that chorus says that we would be people who deeply understand and experience our freedom in Christ. That he would open our eyes to the wonder of Jesus and the pure gospel and that we can find our freedom in that pure gospel. And as we understand that freedom more and more, that we would be people who radically go out and love and serve others. Radically love and serve them because we have been freed in Christ. That's my prayer for us as a church. And so with that in mind, let's pray and ask God to help us be those kind of people. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word uh, tells us over and over what this pure gospel is. That it's Jesus, period. No additives. 
God, we don't have to look to the law. We don't have to look for religion to make us free. God, we have freedom in Jesus, and that's the good news. And so, God, as we experience that freedom in you more and more, I pray, God, that you would please open our eyes up to who you are, the wonder of that, and that we would go out and love others well. We love you, and in Christ's name, amen.